This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. I'm Diana, and I'm joined today by Priscilla Chin. Priscilla is a therapist and a group practice owner for a culturally responsive online therapy practice in New York, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C. Welcome, Priscilla. It's so nice to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm nervous and excited at the same time. (laughs) I feel like that's always the best combination of feelings, right? (laughs) Um, So I wanted to have you on the podcast because we're doing a little series on psychoanalysis. And it's definitely not something that we've talked about on the podcast before. And in fact, I think it might be something that is sort of vague and misunderstood by many people. So I think it's so great that you have this background in it and can answer some questions for us today. Yeah, ask away. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself first and how you came into the work of therapy and then specifically how you came into the work of psychoanalysis? Yeah, so I am a first-generation Chinese cis woman born in America. My parents are immigrants. Um, As a therapist, I'm another human in the room who works psychoanalytically and relationally. So I got my four-year analytic training at the Institute of Contemporary Psychotherapy in New York City. Um, And I also pull in different interventions as a therapist from other trainings that I've gotten with CBT, um, ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, mindfulness, somatic-based therapies, and it depends on what's needed for each client. But I, I would say mainly my approach in terms of the way that I think about each person, the interaction in the room with my clients is psychoanalytic. Can you maybe talk more about that and what it is? Because I think that it's definitely something that we haven't discussed before. And yet at the same time, it's a fundamental approach um, when you're talking about clinical approaches. So maybe you can explain a little bit more about what it is. When I think about psychoanalysis, especially before I got the training as well, uh, some of the stereotypes that come to mind, or maybe a predominant one is, I imagine someone laying on the couch talking endlessly while the therapist is sitting in silence. And this is probably the stereotype because of what gets portrayed in the media sometimes. And also to be fair, sometimes because of real life experiences that people have had with psychoanalysts who do practice this way, which to be fair to each their own, I think different things work for different people. But nowadays, the field of psychoanalysis is actually probably just as diverse as any other group of people. So if I'm attempting to describe psychoanalysis at its core, despite the the variations and differences, our stance is that, or belief is that our our early life experiences with our family, our culture, society, community, shape our internal world, both consciously and unconsciously. 
And I think the work with the unconscious parts of a person is what makes psychoanalysis different than other modalities. Mm -hmm. So in this case, unconscious refers to the part of our minds that has thoughts, feelings, desires, and motivations that are not immediately accessible to conscious awareness, but significantly influence our thoughts, emotions, and our decision-making processes. So one of the goals in psychoanalysis using different interventions is to uncover and try to understand these unconscious patterns that keep us stuck so that we can be empowered to challenge and modify them. I'm curious, what drew you to it? Was it your own experience? Was it learning about it in school? Yeah, I remember when I was in college, I was just such an anxious person about so many things. And I talked to my primary care physician at the time who recommended that I start therapy. And the person that I started with is psychoanalytically or psychodynamically oriented, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I think after a couple of years, I just got so much more out of therapy that I had ever imagined in terms of understanding myself in the context of you know my family, my culture, what my anxiety means. And I wanted to do that for people in whatever form that looks like for each person. And you talked about how, you know, sort of the main approach with a psychoanalytic approach is that it's about the unconscious talking about how that shapes us and specifically how the past shapes us and how we are today. So I'm curious if people are in therapy right now and they're thinking to their own sessions and, okay, well, we talk about my childhood. Yes, we've talked about my family. So we might be doing, you know, psychoanalysis. Um, and actually, that's another question I'll ask a little bit later about the difference between psychoanalysis and like a psychodynamically oriented approach, because I think that's also something that might be confusing. But first, I'm curious how psychoanalysis is different from other forms of talk therapy, because maybe in talk therapy, we are talking about the past or, you know, so how, how does it really differ in that sense? I think, I don't know if it'd be helpful. Maybe we can use an issue like low self-esteem and compare it to how common approach like CBT might be different from psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. So low self-esteem, it shows up in different variations and forms. And in this case, let's use an example of a client who frequently feels like a burden to people in their life. So for my understanding of CBT and when I practice it, it's identifying and challenging unhelpful or negative thoughts and behavior patterns. Mm -hmm. And if I'm using this approach with my client, I might work with them to develop more rational thoughts to replace the thought of being a burden. Um, Like, uh, I feel like a burden, but a feeling is not a truth. And I have, in reality, given a lot of support to friends who are going through hard times, and they've expressed appreciation for me. Or I can come up with positive affirmations with my clients to help them remind themselves of their worth every day. I might assign a homework of testing out this hypothesis of being a burden by asking, having them ask a friend for help and objectively observing like a fly in the wall, their friend's response to see if they feel burdened by it. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the CBT approaches that I might use um, based on my training in CBT. 
And for some people, it's very helpful at addressing low self-esteem, but for other people, they can persistently remind themselves of the logical and positive ways of thinking, but the feelings of inadequacy are still permeating their relationships. So in psychoanalysis, we would approach this a little differently. Um, we see these feelings of being a burden as there for a reason, um, so they're there for a reason, and we need to understand them. And our stance is to implicitly contain those feelings of inadequacy by not reasoning them away immediately, because we can only grasp and contain it if we're not frightened by it. And so this feeling has been activated. So let's observe, feel, and connect with that part of you, and let's understand where you learned this. So if I'm using a psychoanalytic approach um, with the different interventions, we might uncover the complicated roots of an issue like this, which would be different and nuanced for every person. But to give a few examples for this theoretical client, um, we might discover that they've internalized critical and comparative voices from the adults in their lives, and that's become a part of their internal dialogue. Or we might discover that they have unconscious feelings of anger that's been suppressed and show up as low self-esteem. To give a third example, maybe through the process of analysis, they we realize that they've experienced emotional neglect during their childhood, and they've implicitly learned that when they have needs, people around them become overwhelmed. And I say implicit because these messages can be learned even if it's not explicitly told to them that they are too much. So these are just a few examples of the different things that we uncover in analysis with an issue like this, but it's different for each client. And so that's why, you know, with each person, we're trying to figure out what's happening with them unconsciously underneath their symptoms and the things that they're struggling with so that they can be empowered to live more fully in the present. That is so helpful to lay it out in that way with examples, um, because I think sometimes it's hard just talking about it to really know what it feels like or what it looks like in a session. And I'm actually curious, like in trying to make the implicit explicit, you know, what sort of questions might you ask to get even more you know, into the details of like, what does this look like in a session? Hmm, questions, right, that, hmm. that we asked in psychoanalysis. Or interventions, yeah, or interventions of other kinds. What's different for psychoanalysis is it's not so manualized and structured, and I kind of, I feel it out with each person. Mm -hmm. Intervention-wise, I, I ask specific thought-provoking questions that might guide them to move beyond surface level topics and explore these core issues in a deeper way. Like, you know, you feel like a burden right now. Where else have you felt that? What's it feel like? Um, has this come up in other areas of your life? Does it come up in other relationships? Those are just some of the examples. It really depends on each person. In addition to questions, I listen for patterns like self-defeating thoughts and feelings, self-sabotaging behaviors, relationship difficulties, and 
for the way that I work, um, I work relationally and psychoanalytically. The patterns might also show up live in our therapy relationship. So I'm always listening for relational patterns and attachment styles that show up in our session between my client and I and exploring it with my client to help them deepen their self-awareness. You know, we also work with dreams. I personally incorporate art and visual imagery and use of my clients' bodily experiences as a way to more fully immerse myself into how they're experiencing their world. I think this is really interesting. And and I wonder if, you know, people listening who may not be in therapy could use these questions to start to, you know, learn about themselves, to do the sort of self-analysis even, because some of these questions are questions we don't ask ourselves because we're too busy or we we don't really know how to reflect even like self-reflect so I think that could be really interesting for some folks and going back to the question what is the difference between like when you use the term like psychoanalysis versus a psychodynamic approach my take on it is that psychoanalysis is a more intensified or in-depth version of psychodynamic psychotherapy. Um, So people who practice psychoanalysis, they do have to go through an intensive training program to actually learn how to work with people multiple times a week, more than once a week, so that there's a lot of space to get into depth to what's happening unconsciously. Psychodynamic therapy, you can meet with someone once a week, but with psychoanalytic training, you can work with someone psychodynamically as well. Okay. Yes. So it sounds like it's a different level of a similar approach. Yeah. I think of it as more space to get into the uncomfortable feelings or the different levels of uh, processes that are happening in your mind. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? If you're meeting with someone once a week, it's very easy to fill the session with um, just like whatever's happening during the week, the more superficial topics that everybody has stress about, right? But if you're wanting to work on patterns and understand why these patterns have formed, then it takes a lot more time to get to the root of all that. It does. It does. It's really more of a process psychoanalysis. Yeah. And I guess that would also translate into the duration of therapy as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In terms of the difference in, you know, for example, someone who works psychodynamically and someone who is doing CBT, like what's your take on that difference in terms of how long you might see someone? With psychoanalysis, what ends up happening and psychodynamic therapy, what ends up happening is we might start to meet because of a very present or specific issue that they want to work on. And as we're working on this, we might uncover other things or other patterns or ways that they might feel clients might feel stuck in their lives. And if they choose to and want to, of course, you know, we then shift gears and work on that, right? It's it's more fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because you're learning more about yourself and the ways that, you know, you might feel stuck or the areas of growth that you might want to pursue, it ends up being a longer term. Whereas I think CBT 
is a little more focused and specific to the things that you're working on and focused on more of the thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. While psychoanalysis looks at those along with zooming out the patterns and other things that are also happening in your psychic life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that describes it perfectly. Like CBT focuses on a very specific thing that is happening, a a specific symptom or a behavior that's not helping, right? And tries to work at it in very close up, in a close up way. Whereas taking a more psychodynamic, psychoanalytic perspective means you have to zoom out, right? To see where is this coming from and what else is attached to it? And, you know, how is it working together, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm also curious, and you know, you being a person of color in this field, and and I think this is just something I'm always curious about with therapy, right? Because, you know, how is it relevant to other folks of color and and specifically psychoanalysis? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I I think psychoanalysis is very relevant um, to BIPOC folks. Like when I think of the isms where people are othered because of their ethnicity, their gender, their sexuality, color of their skin, socioeconomic status, and so on, the defense mechanisms in psychoanalytic theory come to mind, like projection and identification with the aggressor. In projection, for instance, people are projecting their own unwanted thoughts, feelings, internal conflicts onto a quote-unquote othered group. Or when we think about the unconscious internalized biases, which we all have, um, one of the many ways we can understand it is through this defense mechanism called identification with the aggressor, where people unconsciously adopt racist attitudes and behaviors to align themselves with people they perceive as powerful or dominant in an unconscious attempt to protect themselves from becoming victims. And these are just two of the many ways to understand these complicated topics. Like These are things um, many psychoanalysts have written about. And if listeners are interested, I'm happy to send you references to some of the writings. But when it comes to practicing culturally responsive psychoanalysis, a client's social and cultural locations and identities are huge factors in deconstructing internalized dominant narratives. Because these these discourses inform how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. And usually it's the people who are in power that get to determine the content of these dominant narratives that get projected onto minority groups. So, for instance, the narratives of this or that group of people being lazy, submissive, loud, all these different disowned characteristics. And a part of the work in psychoanalysis allows each client, if they want to, to deconstruct these unconsciously internalized discourses about themselves and others and be empowered to create a narrative of their own. That's um, so interesting. And I can imagine it being, you know, such a process to being able to hold all of that, right? And um, understanding why this is considered such depth work, right? And it applies in so many ways to, in terms of intergenerational trauma, identity conflicts, integrating the different parts of ourselves. 
um, that, you know, we've grown up in and we don't know how to, we feel maybe conflicted and, and not belonging in either cultural group. And we work with so many different things in a culturally responsive psychoanalytic space. So who might benefit from this type of therapy? I think psychodynamic therapy and psychoanalysis works with so many areas. I mean, it can range from tangible issues like life transitions, work stress, anxiety, trauma, dissociation, just to name a few, to more wellness-oriented goals like self-discovery, personal growth, forming meaningful relationships. For me, many of my clients who've been with me for a while have moved from more reactive patterns of behaviors to more intentional and mindful choices uh, and actions. And they're more aware of their internal world, unresolved conflicts and patterns. And this self-awareness then allows them to make conscious choices that aligns with their values and goals. So I would say these are some of the things that you want for yourself, psychodynamic therapy with the right fit for a therapist, maybe worth trying. You know, thank you so much for so many details and examples. I think this will give people a really great introduction to what psychoanalysis and what psychodynamic approach is. If people wanted to connect with you or reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to find you? They can find me on my website at imagineemotionalwellness.com. And I also have an Instagram at Imagine Emotional Wellness. Thank you so much for being here today, Priscilla. And thank you everybody for tuning in. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend or someone who might be interested. Thanks, Diana. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.